If you have a Bible, uh, let's go to uh, the book of Romans. Romans is where we're going to be, chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download Version. It's a great app. And on that app, by the way, if you have it downloaded, look under events uh, for Core Church. You'll find the scripture for today. You'll find a place you can take message notes. Um, there's a daily devotional, all kinds of information to get connected. It's all right there on the Version app. We're starting a new series today called Hanging with the Fam. And this series is not about our individual families, but it's really about a series about the church. I, I, I don't know why, but something has happened. Something has shifted in the church. And I think that non-believers and believers alike don't understand why we're doing this. Like you, you may be here today and you think you're here for one reason, Oh, this is why I come to church. This is why I'm supposed to be in church. And what you're going to find out today is like, oh, I had no idea. I'm here for a completely different reason. And what we want to do is I feel like the church has just kind of drifted and it's time to bring it back to center. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be journeying through this. So if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're brand new, this is a great time for you to come on board because you can kind of sit back and say, what is the church? And so let's go to uh, Paul, wrote the book of Romans. It's a letter, if you're new to the scriptures. This is a letter he wrote to a church in Rome. And, and he wrote this in chapter 12. Go to verse 9. Verse 9. And let's start there. He says this, I like this. Don't just pretend to love others. I can just stop right there and we can go home right there. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, just don't pretend to love me. Don't pretend to love me. Okay. That's like, enough of that going on. He says, really, I like this. Paul is just so, I love the Bible. He says, really love them. So turn back to him and say, no, no, really love me. Really love me. I like this. He says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. And we're going to camp out here in verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And then I, this next part, he says, never be lazy. Come on, if you've got some teenagers in the house, say amen. amen. That was just wrong. That was just wrong. If you've got a dad in the house, say amen. amen. Yeah, we've got some work to do, dads. If you've got a mom in the house, she ain't lazy. Mamas, you ain't lazy. Your day is coming up. We're going to honor you. You are special. I don't know why you don't take a day off, but you don't. We love you. Come on, turn to a mama somewhere, even if she's not, say, we love moms. We love moms up in this place. You're awesome. We're going to have some fun today. I'm glad you're here. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. We're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Today, I want to talk for a few minutes about family matters. Family matters. Uh, let's pray before we go into the scripture. Father, man, what a, what a great word to use, Father, because we want to talk about family today, and it starts with you as our dad, and, and we acknowledge that in this moment. We're just collectively here. I'm just asking you to speak to us. Change us a little bit. All of us, God, change us all just a little bit today, or maybe dramatically. Whatever it is that we need, we trust your spirit to do that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, you can sit down. 
Has anybody uh, noticed that the movie theater experience has gone to another level in the last decade? Like, it's not what it used to be. I mean, the, the sound and the quality and just... Hey, how many of you have been across the turnpike to the Warren Theater and had that experience? Show of hands. Raise your hands. You've been to the Warren... Okay. That's an insane experience. Like, what's crazy today is, like, you can reserve your seat. Anybody remember back in the day when you had to get there early and you had to find the spot? If you weren't there early, you're going to be doing this the whole time. That's what you were going to be doing. But now you can reserve your seat. Then you, they, they have reclining seats and heated seats at the theater. It's awesome. I am so spoiled now. When I go to the theater, I'm like, uh, is this the one with the reclining seats and the heated seats? Oh, it's not? We'll be back later. And we just leave because I love that. I mean, it's just so spoiled. I love that. Of course, now that the, the experience has been ramped up, so has the price, <laughs> right? I mean, it's crazy what it costs to go see, like, the, the Avengers. Like, to go see Thor die in the Avengers is just crazy. Some of you not see. I'm kidding. I have not even seen that movie. I, don't, I have no idea who dies in it. Some of you all were looking at me like, Like, I need to see some repentance like that, okay? That's what I need to see. Some of y'all have that face when, when God shines upon you. But no, I bust Avengers for me. Ah! Man. But it is so expensive to go. Like, even the snacks. Like, even the candy. Like, you show up, there's a reason why they have it behind a glass case, because it's like a jewelry store. Um, my wife would like to see the jujubes, if we could, please. Be great, the, the sapphire ones, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's crazy expensive. So here's what our family does. We stop at the dollar store before we go. Yeah, there's my people right there. Oh, some of y'all looking at me with judgmental eyes, like, I, our pastor sneaks snacks in? That's not right. I'm sneaking snacks into heaven. I mean, I'm going to do whatever I got to do. There's nothing in my wife's purse, Jesus, I promise. I mean, so I, we cram, Lord, and I, I this is terrible, maybe, but um, I now, I pop my own popcorn. <laughs> and I make, Laura, Laura hates this, because I'm like, no, get a bigger bag. <laughs> so she's like walking in with a gym bag like this, you know, very inconspicuous. But I, I love that I, because um, I've got four kids, so they've never experienced that. Cause we, we only go to the dollar movie. You know, anybody did that one? Like, I can't pay for that. I'm, we're going to the dollar theater, which is a whole other experience, you know. Thank God the lights are down because, you know, when you're walking across the floor and it's going, I don't know what that is, kids. Just don't step in it. You know, it's just scary. But here's the thing about the movies. No, nobody's going to the movie theater for conversation. Nobody's going there for conversation. Like, you're hoping that the seat next to you is empty, right? You don't want to sit. You ever gotten stuck next to that talker at the movie? The person's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even see that coming. Did you see that coming? You're about to see this coming. That's what you're about to see. Hate those talkers at the movie. Man, it's just, you, you go to the movie to be alone and sit in silence and watch the screen. That's why you're there. The church 
was never meant to be a movie theater experience. Where, you know, like you check the show times, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, 9.45, a little too early for me. I'm going to the 11.15 show time. That's the one I'm going to, and I've got my reserved seat so I don't have to show up early. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I skip over those trailers. I don't really need to be there at the very beginning, you know. And you just kind of show up because you got your reserved seat. You're showing up and somebody's sitting in your seat? That's irritating. How do you, I mean, because you're like, well, now I can't worship Jesus. I can't worship Jesus because look where they're sitting and I'm... If I have to move up like two rows, I'm just going to break out in hives, and I can't raise my hands. People be looking at me, and I just I can't worship Jesus because of you. <laughs> you ever got here, sat on a row, and you're like, here's the one thing people don't do. Nobody walks into church and is like, oh, there's a crowded row. I'll go sit with those people. Nobody does that. We all look for the empty row. And then you sit on that empty row, and then somebody walks by, and they kind of look at you like they're going to sit in that row, and you go, don't even think about it. This is for me, okay? Because, I mean, that's just, it's just crazy. We, we, we come, and we can come, and, and we arrive, and we just sit alone in silence, watch what's happening up on the stage, and then leave during the credits, and I don't have to talk to anyone. The church was never meant to be an experience like that. We were never meant to come and, and have an experience where we sit alone in silence and no one ever talked to us. You know, one of the things we say here every week is this, and, and if you're a regular, you know it, at the core of who we are is loving God and, key point there, loving people. You know, what we don't say is at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people, but give me my space. We don't say, we don't say that, because that's not the church. And so we're going to look at this, this letter and what Paul writes here to the church. And what's interesting is whenever you look in Scripture and it uses the word church, it's not referring to a place or a location. It's talking about a people. If you're taking notes, write this down, okay? This is, this is what the church is. The, the church is not a place where people gather. Write that down. The church is not a place where people gather. Rather, it's this. The church is a people who gather in a place. The church is not a place that people gather. The church is a group of people who gather in a place. In, in other words, this the, 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 this. the church is not the building. Now, I'll give you this, that we say, hey, I'm, I'm going to church. You're going to church this Sunday? Hey, it was great having you in, in church. Hey, I'll, I'll meet you at the church. I even say that, okay? So, I, I mean, yeah, yes, the building is, uh, we refer to it as the church, but it's so much more than that. It's not about the, the, the place. It's about the people. And, and the apostle Paul here, he, he takes it even deeper and he says that uh, the church is not just a people who gather the church is a family. We're supposed to be a family. And look what he says back in Romans chapter 12. Go to verse 10. And it says this, love each other with what? With what? Say it with me. Genuine affection. Come on, turn to somebody and give them some genuine affection right now. You know you want to, especially if you're a single guy right now. You're like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment, preacher. 
Some of you men are going to use that later. You're going to go home with your wives. You're going to be like, you heard the preacher, genuine affection. That's not what it's talking about. Come on, ladies, turn to your man and say, that's not what it's talking about. That's not what it's talking about. Actually, when Paul says, <laughs> some of y'all are looking at me, it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. When Paul says genuine affection, what he means here, it's this, it's this idea of, of family. It's this idea that we are brothers and we are sisters. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, wow, you're my brother, you're my sister. Come on, turn to them, tell them, I, I didn't know that. You're my brother, you're, you're my, my sister. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're new to this, this church thing, here's what I want you to know. Is what happens when people become a follower of Jesus, something happens supernaturally that I still don't know how to explain. When you become a follower of Jesus, you are grafted into God's family. Grafted in. You become a brother and a sister. I don't know how to explain this, but you talk to anybody who has followed Jesus for any amount of time, and I can see heads nodding, you know what I'm talking about. There's just this sense that you look and you go, we're, we're family. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, we weren't born together, but we were adopted. We were spiritually adopted by God, and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit bonds us together, and suddenly I have a family. Now, when I say the name family, what comes to mind? What do you think of? For, for some of us, we, we think of, of good. Man, my family was great. I, I had such a great experience. So many, I had good memories, man, a lot of laughter and fun and joy and so many good things. But for some of you, it was a different experience, and it wasn't necessarily so positive. In fact, maybe the word you might use when it comes to family is dysfunctional. And maybe, maybe there was abuse, or, or there was um, just a fear and oppression, and anger was in your, your home. It was so difficult. Some of you might use the word divorce. You come from a divorced family, that it was an ugly split between your parents, and you remember it well, and you were young, and you remember the hurt and, and, and the literal tearing of your family apart, and suddenly you found yourself with your dad on the weekends, or with mom on this weekend, dad on this weekend, I'm living in two different places, and my parents, they've never reconciled, and they're angry at each other, and they're trying to get me to take sides, and still to this day... Good night, I'm an adult now, and they're still trying to get me to take sides. It, it's been this divisive thing is you've had in your family. For others, you might use the word distant. That you didn't experience a dysfunctional family. You didn't experience divorce in your family. Your parents stayed married, uh, and you grew up in a home, brothers and sisters, but there wasn't, wasn't any affection. There was no, like attention shown to you. There's never an I love you or proud of you or way to go. And you would describe your family as very, very lonely. You know, sadly, uh, those words can be used to describe many churches. I wish it wasn't true, but I've heard the stories because some of you have told me those stories out of churches that you've 
come out of. I, I've been in churches that are dysfunctional. You've been in a dysfunctional church in places where they're, it's angry, it's, it's abusive, it's oppressive. Like and you know, The preacher just does nothing but preach anger and condemnation, and, and people are always mad at each other and backbiting each other. Sadly, there's churches like that. There are churches that experience divorce. Man, where, where somebody got mad at somebody, somebody didn't like the music, somebody didn't like the preaching, somebody didn't like something, and First Baptist somewhere became Second Baptist. And they moved about a mile down the road, they took half the congregation with them, because they were like, we're, we're done with you, we're angry with you, and they come down here and they start this one, and now suddenly people are caught in the middle, and they're like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go or what it's supposed to be. Some people would describe a, uh, their church experience as distant, like a, like a bad family reunion. You ever, you ever been to a family reunion where you're just kind of putting in your time? You're like, I don't really know these people. I kind of see them every once in a while. It's cousin so-and-so. I kind of know their name. Don't really know their story. Get caught up. Hey, you know, we should catch up. We should stay in touch. We should start a family Facebook page, you know, something like that. You've gotten that. And, 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 then, and then you just... But you're not really going to stay in touch. You're just doing pleasantries. And that happens in the church where people show up on a Sunday and, and they don't talk to anybody. Or if they do, it's just really superficial and nobody really talks to anybody and everybody sits apart. They say they're a family. They say it's a friendly church, but nobody sits together. Nobody talks and nobody encourages one another. Paul says in his letter, he says, love each other. Now, that word love is so overused in our culture, but that word love simply means to be devoted. Be devoted to one another. I'd like for you to write this down. Here, here's, here's a good definition of the church. The church should be a devoted family, not a dysfunctional family. That should go without saying, but we need to say it. The church should be a devoted family, not a dysfunctional family. Laura and I, as I said, we, we've got four kids, and if you ever want to test the merit of your family, go on a road trip together. <laughs> so we used to have to go on these road trips to California, and we would never fly because there were six of us, and it's crazy expensive, so, so we would drive 22 hours out to California uh, with our kids, and this is back before you know, iPhones and, and tablets and all that kind of stuff. Like, we, we actually took a 13-inch TV, put it in our Suburban with a PlayStation and a power strip for our kids. We were desperate. We would blow fuses. I'd have to stop at truck stops and replace the fuse. I mean, and we weren't spending money. We, I never stopped for nothing. I mean, Laura would get a loaf of bread, some peanut butter and jelly, and she's in the backseat slapping together sandwiches because we ain't stopping. And nothing, you know, you can be rolling along on a road trip. You know, you know how you're just going, everything's going great. You're like, man, this is awesome. And then suddenly, somebody's got to pee. <laughs> we're like 30 minutes into the trip. Are you kidding me? I remember when we were coming back from Los Angeles, 22 hours. And there's six of us in our car, and, and we are headed back. We get to Oklahoma City, and... All of a sudden, from the back seat, I hear, Dad, I gotta pee! Are you kidding me? I can smell Tulsa on my breath. We're an hour and a half. You can hold it. 
And so I'm having this conversation with my kid. At that point, wakes up her brother. Her brother then says, I'm hungry. You know what? You can pray and fast. That's what you can do for an hour and a half. (laughs) And then Laura gave me that look. Guys, you know the look? I'm like, well, of course we're going to stop, honey. (laughs) What was I thinking? So we pull into this Love's truck stop. They go in, I go in, I come out, I come out before they come out, I promise you, I, I come out of this truck stop, and, and I probably should, I don't know why, but I came out, and, and I was like, I can just leave them all right here. <laughs> oh, man, I just get in, and I can just drive home in peace, you know? <laughs> they can find a ride, there's lots of trucks, it's an hour and a half, it's Oklahoma, it's safe, they'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I was at a Love's truck stop, but there wasn't a whole lot of love. But that's what family is. Family is about love. Family is about devotion. Family is about being committed to one another. It's about forgiving one another. It's about being patient with one another. It's about being devoted to one another. You know, the thing is, devotion has kind of been lost on this generation, hasn't it? I mean, it's just, we we have these phrases, no long-term contracts. Yeah. Cancel at any time. Free for seven days. You know, it's like if I see another YouTube live TV pop-up thing, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to kill it. I mean, it's like, what does it say? Try free for seven days or no thanks. You know what I want is the not never button where it will never, ever pop up again. But we live in a cancel at any time generation. It's even true in relationships, is it not? Like, when you think about marriage, like, when I remember being a kid and Divorce, you just didn't hear a lot about it, man. Families, they stuck together. They, they work through things, and they, they push through things. And, and, I, and I understand that there are times and there are situations where, man, you got you to gotta separate. You've you got to do that. But in today's world, that's not where we are. Marriage is no longer a covenant till death do us part. It's till I get tired of you. Till we just don't get along anymore. Till you, I'm bored with you. In fact, it's not even marriage anymore. Now we just live together. (laughs) Man, why? Because I can cancel at any time. You think about friendship. (laughs) And friendship, nowadays it's just, you know what? I can unfriend you or I can block you. And and it's creeping over into the church. In the church, man, it's just like, you know what? I I don't like the music. Or, man, it's just not deep enough for me. You know, or Brad's not funny enough. Or Brad's too funny. Or, you know what? You don't use enough scripture. Or use too much scripture. You know what? Somebody made me mad. Or somebody didn't talk to me. And and so what we have in the church now is cancel at any time. I I can just go somewhere else. We're, We're no longer what Paul is talking about, this idea of being a family. And what Paul is saying here in his letter, he's saying, be devoted, be different. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, we gotta be different. We have got to be different. We gotta be counter-cultural. We gotta be devoted, like this idea that, man, we are a family. That's what Paul is calling us to do here. And I think what the world is crying out for is family. I think the one thing the world wants is is they're desperately seeking love and and devotion. And I think the one thing we've got to do is we've got to be an example of that for the world. An example to the world of what it means to be devoted to one another. This This is what I love about the people of Core Church. 
When I look around this room, I see people who have been here for over a decade. Over a decade. Do you know, in order to remain for over a decade, there's some heavy perseverance that has to take place. There, there is some self-sacrificing that I see that people have made. There have been some times where things were not going the way you thought it should go. But you're like, I'm in a family. I'm going to stick with this family. And there's moments where you're like, I, I could just bolt, but you chose forgiveness. There, there's moments where you said, you know what? It's not going to be about me or my personal preferences. That's one of the ugliest things in our society right now. If it doesn't fit me, it's not my personal preference, I'm out. That's not how family works, by the way. Your family will never survive if you have that attitude. It can't be about your personal preferences because sometimes men, we got to get down and we got to play Barbies. Sometimes ladies, you got to go out and shoot a basketball with your son. You got to do things that you normally don't do that isn't maybe your thing, but you love somebody so much, you want to connect with them, you want to work together. That's who we are. We are a family. Come on, high five three people around you. Tell them we are family. Come on, tell them we are a family family. This is what makes us different than the world. Listen, if you're new, I want you to know this. Core Church is a place where you can be known. Somebody will know your story, know your struggle. Like somebody, somebody will care for you, look out for you, support you. Somebody will be there to encourage you. This is why, by the way, we push everyone together. One of the funniest things to watch is when we push everybody. We want everybody to sit together. We don't want anyone to ever sit alone. Because that would just be weird in a family environment. Normal with strangers. Normal in a movie theater where I want to be left alone. Strange in a family. I think about Easter Sunday. I was watching Easter Sunday as all the families came in, and so many of you brought your aunts and your uncles and mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, and some of your kids. I mean, you just you came in with truckloads of family members. It was so fun to watch and meet them. And but I watched so many at the back of the room as you came in these doors, and you had your family, and you were immediately stopping and you were looking around for a place where you could sit together as a family, because that's what families do. Like, nobody came in on Easter and went, all right, everybody, spread out. <laughs> Especially you, Uncle Charlie, over there with you. I mean, I realize some of your family, you're like, I wish they would have spread out on Easter. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but it would just be weird because you're a family, and we're a family. That's why we sit together. That's why we push on that so heavily. And I never want somebody to come in here and sit alone. It's why I make you talk to each other. Like some of y'all, you still don't get it. I'll say, hey, turn to somebody, give them a high five, tell them we're a family, and you're like this. Not going to do it, preacher. No, sir, me. No, not me. Don't talk to me. I'm here. Now, I'll do, do respect on that. But here's what I want you to consider when you do that. Somebody is walking through those front doors and is pulled into that parking lot and they're saying, I'm going to give this God thing one more try. Or I've kind of heard my friend and my neighbor and 
coworker was telling me, you know, I'm just in a bad spot, and I've heard horrible things about Christians and been burned by the church, and I'm going to try it again, or I'm going to come see for the very first time what this is about. Imagine if they came in and they sat all by themselves, and no one ever talked to them. What is going to be their impression of Jesus? What's going to be their impression of the church? Praise God that's not who we are. Praise God that, that I, that's why I love being your pastor, because I've been in churches that are like that, and it's awful. What I like is, man, you guys, you, you sit together, you talk with each other, you're looking for people that aren't like you, you're looking for strangers, you're looking for people sitting alone, you're looking around because you're saying, no, I want that person to know. And when you sit by somebody, and when you talk to somebody, and you turn to somebody, and you say, hey, we're family, that person in that moment, God could be using you to help that person who comes from a horrific background, no hope, brokenness, and says, maybe, maybe I belong here. Wow. Come on, high five three people right now and tell them we are family. Come on, welcome to the family. This is who we are. Man, I... The thing is, is our society, sit down, Buddy Davis, um, some, some people, they just got to take it to a whole nother thing, okay? They're like, oh, right, I'm going to hug everyone, yay, <laughs> woo! <laughs> oh, I love people like you, I, I love all, it's just great. The thing about our society right now is, um, what's crazy is it, we are becoming more and more an isolated society, and loneliness is at an all-time high. And I think part of the problem is we never have to leave our house. Like, you don't even have to go to the movie theater anymore. You just pipe it into your house. Like, you, you, don't, um, you don't have to go to the store anymore. You just order it up on Amazon. They'll ship it right to your house. You don't, you don't even have, man, you don't even have to go out to eat anymore. Taco Bell delivers because fast food isn't fast enough, you know? I mean, it's like, and even church, we're now doing this with church. Like, I don't have to come here. I can just stay home and I can do church online. Can I, can I tell you this, that church online is an oxymoron? There, there's no such thing as church online because, as I said earlier, the church is about people who gather in a place. The church is about the body of Christ. It's about people gathering together. I remember about a month ago when we had to cancel services and we did church online and I sat at home with, with my mother-in-law and with Laura and we watched, it was weird, I watched myself and I was like, man, this guy can preach lights out. He's awesome. I was really getting into it. I was taking lots of notes. I got saved three times and the spirit filled all in this 15-minute sermonette. It was so good. But I remember when it was over, I was like, that was cool, but that was kind of empty. I miss my church family. Like, I miss just being with you guys. I just miss seeing you and hanging out and talking and shaking hands and laughing. And that's, that's, that's the church. We're, we're a family. And then Paul, he takes it just another, to another level. He's like, if you don't get it, let's look at the last part of verse 10. It's like Paul says, okay, if you don't get this part about being devoted, he says this, take delight in what? Say this with me, what? Honoring, honoring, honoring each other. Write this down. Here's what honor is. Honor is adding value and treating as valuable. 
Honor is adding value and treating as valuable. Now, that, that's easy to do when people look like you, talk like you, think like you, and act like you. Like, for me, I, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I, I like the basics, okay? And my mother-in-law, who's with us, and she does a lot of the cooking now, she's learning this about me. She's like, man, this guy didn't eat nothing but the basics, okay? And so for Easter, I remember, and, and there's the thing, I don't like my food touching. Ah! Like Easter, I had fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and I love coleslaw, but the coleslaw juice was dripping down towards my chicken, and I was like, No! And the one thing I, I, I really can't, I can't I struggle with is casseroles. Oh, it's all the food touching, and it's all together, and you don't know what's in there. You know the church is a casserole? The church is a casserole. Everyone, everything, all mixed up together. All different races, all different colors, all different political views. Yeah, that's right. There's conservative people. There's liberal people. And some of you are, are they sitting by me? Oh, goodness. I got to, where are the conservatives sitting? I've got to sit there next week. Where are they at? Okay. I, I, they're the ones that sit like this. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, the liberals are the ones that are like, woo! They're not, you're not hard to find. Okay. We know where I'm messing with you. Okay. But man, it doesn't, I mean, we have blue collar, we have white collar, we, we have all different kinds of people that are all meshed together. This is the church, man. It is so easy to honor people when they look like me, talk like me, and act like me, but it's a whole nother thing when they're different. It's a different thing when they have a different moral viewpoint. And in this body, there are many different moral viewpoints. It's a whole nother thing when we have theological differences. In the church universal, the church capital C overall, we agree in the essentials. Jesus, son of God, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, but beyond that are called the non-essentials. And in the non-essentials, there's a lot of debate. I tick off so many Christians and I tick off so many pastors because they'll go, well, what do you think about that, Brad? And I go, I don't know. You might be right. Like, no, you got to pick a side. I'm like, I don't know. That might be right. Jesus gave us a great example. He was meeting with his disciples. John was his disciple, and he wrote this account. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 13. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment, not a suggestion, a commandment. Love each other. Say this next part with me. What? Just as I have loved you. Come on, turn to somebody and say, ha, you got to love me. You got to love me. You got to love me. He said, you should love each other. Jesus, listen, Jesus set the example for us. Like when he recruited his 12 disciples, think about this. He was from Nazareth and he was Jewish and he was a carpenter. And he didn't go, you know, I need 12 buddies, 12 guys that I can kind of do life with. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Nazareth and I'm going to find some Jewish carpenters, you know, because they're blue collar and they get it. We all make cabinets together, you know, we can do the cabinet thing, you know, and maybe we make a table and that'd be awesome. No. What did Jesus do? 
He said, now forget that. I'm going to go all the way down to the seashore. I'm going to go find some blue-collar guys, some fishermen, and I'm going to recruit them. So he recruits these fishermen, and he's like, that's cool. I got some fishermen. I got some blue-collar workers. I need some white-collar guys. And so he goes and he recruits a tax collector. So he goes, come on, guys. And he goes and gets this tax collector, throws them together. Then he gets this guy that's super conservative, and he's like, I'm going to put you in here. Then he puts a liberal guy in there. Then he puts an outgoing, outspoken, boisterous, loud guy with this really super quiet, contemplative hugger kind of guy (laughs) and then he goes and he gets this zealot like a guy this is a guy who's like let's kill the romans all romans off with their heads and he's like cool come with me man and he puts them all together and those are his disciples that is a picture of the church like jesus was trying to give us an example to follow like it's all of us together all are welcome all have a seat at the table Every person is deserving of honor. Every person. I think this is when the church is at its best. When we act like family. That's when I, I've been in the church. I've been in church my whole life, by the way. I've, I've had that. What an honor. I know some of you, you're brand new to church but you're starting a new legacy for your family. And that's, sometimes I kind of wish that was my story because I think about my great-great-grandpa and he was the first one, you know? He was the first one who went to church and I'm like, man, I kind of would like that to be my story, but I'm also very grateful that I've known nothing but church family. I've known nothing but being in the house of God. When Laura and I were in Ethiopia, uh, she told you that we met these boys from I Am Not Forgotten. Boys that are rescued from the streets. They are orphaned and they're scratching and clawing, trying to figure out a way to live. And they live in these shanties, these shacks, like seven or eight of them together, um, just trying to survive. Boys, boys. And Todd and Jody Guy and uh, Wave, Todd, Todd and Jody, Wave, so, those that don't know you, that's Todd and Jody. Um, man, give them some love for what they have done. Seven years of rescuing boys off the streets. Um, so Willar and I went, we met him the first day, and I was blown away. Because I have three boys, and uh, I don't know if you have boys, but when you get brothers together, I mean, sometimes I'm like, hey, we're family, love each other, love each other, or I'm going to spank you. I mean, it's just one of those, I had boys, they didn't always get along. And I go to this home, we spend several days with these boys, and what I noticed about them is they, they didn't just act like a family. They were a family, yet they were not related to one another. And I watched these boys as they, as they, as they loved each other, as they, as they cared for one another, as they supported each other. They were fighting for one another. They, they were laughing together. And they, they, together they were pushing each other to get an education, pushing each other to follow Jesus and, and just encouraging one another. I was just so overwhelmed by the love and the way in which they'd come together as a family. And then I, I, I realized that these were boys and that were on the streets. And I realized the reason that they were acting like a family and became a family is because they knew where they came from. And when they knew where they came from, they're like, we're going to support each other. We're going to care about one another. Nobody is getting outside of this circle. Nobody's going back to that. We're going to help each other. We're going to encourage each other. In this picture, uh, you can't really see him, but here on my side is a little boy with a soccer ball. His name is Tommy. Tommy was three years old, 
and he wandered down to the boy's home. And for reasons I can't get into here, he's not able to come into the boy's home and be a part of it. But every day for three years, he has walked down in the morning to the boy's home, and the boys have taken him in, and they've loved him, they've fed him, they've played with him, they've laughed with him. And at the end of the day, if it's dark, they take and they walk him all the way back and have to send him back to a difficult place. Now, man, that's the church. That's such a beautiful picture of the church. Like the reason that we're family, like the reason that we act like family, the reason that we are literally grafted in in a family is because we know where we came from. We know the brokenness, we know the hurt, we know the loneliness, we know the desperation, and now that we're grafted into the family and we see others come in, we're like, hey, we're in this together. We're going to help each other. We're going to walk through things together. We're going to stay together. We're going to support one another. And what I love about the church, too, is that it's not just about us, but it's about the Tommies. It's about, like, we're still looking out for those that are lonely, that have no place, and we're saying, come on in. Be a part of the family. We are a family. 